0: Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning, destiny and purpose. This whole universe, we observe there is purpose. Every little purpose is for a greater purpose unto a greater, greater and greater purpose. And there is that ultimate purpose. And it is the marriage of the ultimate perfection and source of love who is God with his creation that he created for his pleasure. And it is only in knowing the one true eternal God that you will ever find ultimate meaning and fulfillment and pleasure that is ever enlarging, ever increasing without end. For those of you that are new, I just want to mention that I have on my website at ultimatemeaning.com, a flip book which you can read for free. It is original writing by myself through the gifting of the Spirit of God. Much of the print is highlighted in red, which are links to YouTube videos that are very profound and amazing. Check it out. These videos highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing from every field of science and archaeology. And they are very amazing videos. You will be amazed at some of those videos. I'm not going to go into it. I'll let you check it out for yourself. How do I share these messages? Well, these messages are given seeking to speak as the oracles of God, because the Word of God commands us. In 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When we gather together around the one true eternal God, Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, around Jesus Christ, as assemblies, whether it's just in small groups or any size group, into very large groups. When we gather together, we are to all seek to speak to one another out of the Spirit of God what is not coming from ourselves, but is coming by the Spirit of God. That's why it says in 1 Peter 4 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. It is referring to those coming together to minister to one another. None of our words are supposed to be idle. Even in our daily life, every word we speak we should seek to speak out of the Spirit of God, whether it's to bring light to the darkness of a lost soul or whatever to encourage someone. It can be that we are conscious of God and are allowing ourselves to speak out of a relationship with with god, this is further clarified this matter of speaking as the oracles of god in revelations 1910 you'll have to excuse the fact that i have a bit of a cough, from <coughs> something that i caught It tends to hang on give me a little bit of a tickle um revelations 1910 says says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth out of a pure heart, in great love and humility towards God, we are filled with the spirit of God and an overflow beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances coming beyond ourselves, whether that is a word of knowledge, a prophetic word, a testimony, an exhortation, a prayer. There should be, when you gather together as the church, the facilitation of that so that there is much sharing that is spontaneous, not having to go up and ask permission at the mic. Let's not worry about a mess, brothers and sisters in leadership. We are here to be conscious of who is in our midst far more than. The program at the front there shouldn't be any program at the front there should be those that are in tune with god under the leading of his spirit and so one of the things i do in these messages in seeking to speak prophetically that is as the oracles of god is to cast lot before the lord on with two different random applications on the internet to get two chapters that would bear witness with each other any possibility of chapter that in God's providence and power are brought forth through the casting of lot to confirm each other and to bear witness with each other, then I meditate on those two chapters for a half an hour and then immediately thereafter speak as I am today. I don't know what I'm going to share. I'm trusting that out of a heart set and a mindset of worship, I will speak as the oracles of God. What God, by his spirit, is saying to the body of Christ at this time of crucial crisis in the world, as never before in history. I mean, you'd have to have your head buried in the sand like an ostrich not to see what is going on, and to buy into the lying news media nowadays that almost tells you the opposite of the reality of what is going on because they've been infiltrated over the last 30 years by the Chinese Communist Party and by global elites and others that have the same mindset. Corrupt, demonized, hell contagious mindset of control where they treat you as cattle and want you to be their slaves. And we see how that has been happening around the world and I'm not going to get into all of that. This is to give a message to the body of Christ, to wake up in this hour of crisis. You cannot go back to being the church the way you were. How dare you just go back and be at ease as if nothing is going on and there's no crisis? Are we going to say we're going to eat and drink and be merry and then find ourselves finally at the point where we're falling off the cliff and there is no return and there's utter destruction in our country, in our lives personally? Woe be to those that choose to drink the drink of drunkenness and insensitivity to God by the loves of this world in the face of such impending judgment that is so obvious. I am here with a message to awaken the body of Christ, to become everything that God has called them to become and to awaken you as an individual to become the overcomer that God has called you to become. There's a scripture in the Word of God that says in Revelations around possibly chapter 19, and I might even turn to it now. I wasn't planning this because I am seeking to speak as the oracles of God. But I'm going to go to that scripture now and try to find it quickly and read it. I know it's around Revelations chapter 19, so we're going to go to Revelations chapter 19 before we get into the Word of God here. And I want to see if I can just catch this scripture. It talks about, Blessed are they that are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. I know about that. And it goes on. And it might be further on in chapter possibly um what it what it says is that i will give of the water of life freely to him that is a thirst and then it says whoever overcomes will i give of the water of the life freely i'm going to just try to see if i can catch it maybe it's revelation 17 on lost track of exactly where that is. Probably the best way to find these things quickly is to um, just type into the search box, the word a thirst. So I will do that. I thought I had it there, but here we go. Hopefully this brings something up. In Revelation it does. So here we go. Revelations 21 six. Revelations 21, 6. So we'll go to Revelations 21, 6 there. And read this. We'll read beginning first at verse 5. It says, And he and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. (coughs) What quenches our thirst is when we Drink of the wines of this world, and we get caught up with the temporal enjoyments of this life. Christ warned against us being like they were before the flood. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Are we going to quench our thirst with the temporal loves of this world when there is something far more satisfying, and that is the presence of God in our lives? The secret to overcoming is that we are thirsty and hungry and desperate for more and more of what is real, what is lasting, what is everlasting, (coughs) which is our relationship with God, the presence of God in our lives. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son and we should not be satisfied with anything less than overcoming all things because the next verse here says but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death the first word is fearful And fear for losing things in our lives. The consciousness of loss, which is basically what fear is, is what causes uptightness. But it's perfect love that casts out that fear that is the opposite of the genuine fear of God. (coughs) The genuine fear of God is a great reverence and appreciation for God where you do not just treat him as common but with great respect because you realize that his love has such integrity and is so pure that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary in the slightest to love and this love is so great that god smit the ark smote the people that were carrying the ark when they lost awareness of that in some measure so that they were not treating the presence of god that was in the ark at that time with reverence and David became afraid of God. And sometimes God can be so severe in our own lives that we can shrink back and begin to let the enemy lie to us and our own heart lie to us that God is this tyrant, like a dictator that requires performance, sacrifice like Cain. He lost sight of that. But David began to recognize the goodness of God as he saw how oh, God blessed the house of Obedidim. And then he saw that the holiness of God, which is the integrity of his love, that will not tolerate sin, that it was so good. So that he made many, he wrote many psalms about the beauty of holiness, worshiping God and the beauty of holiness. One thing of high desire of the Lord, and that will I seek after. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold what? The beauty of Yahweh, the beauty that emanates from the integrity of his love that is so pure that will not tolerate sin, and is in all of that filled with such great mercy that he would suffer more than you, a mere creature, and humble himself more than you, a mere creature on the cross. How can you reject such love that is beyond imagination? There is no love that can exist that is greater than than this love who is who God is, the one true eternal God. Now I haven't even got into the message. But before I get into the message, (coughs) I do want to sing a song, a victorious song, that fits with the theme of this message. And so we will sing that song now which will come up right now, here, in a brief moment. Here we go. The name of Jesus is our stand. i Or with increasing conflict, strong, courageous to endure. Tis here that life or death is won. Who will God's grace That, brothers and sisters, is a song to encourage you in the conflict upon whom the ends of the ages has come. You as an individual and with your brothers and sisters are facing the very ends of the ages and God's consummate purpose. Think of what is happening right now in China. All of those people that don't have guns or anything, are standing up because they've been put under such slavery. And they're so desperate that they're standing up in multitudes across China as never before since Tiananmen Square. At the loss of their life, not caring anymore, willing to go all the way in order to have freedom because they don't want to be under tyranny and slavery. And the devil is a hard taskmaster. And what he does is he puts people into total bondage and slavery by using the manipulative baits of this world to manipulate their lives to destruction. God is calling us to be those that are valiant warriors that overcome the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Remember, there are people that you can look on YouTube, to be encouraged by, that have gone through far more conflict and suffering than yourself. For example, Brother Yun, the heavenly man, who was terribly tortured and China, I've read his book. Can you imagine him going on a seventy-day, 4 day fast without liquid or water, in desperation to be delivered from that jail so he could preach the gospel? And during that time, being so terribly persecuted and tortured that he was down to 60 pounds and didn't look human, and they were betting on who uh, and gambling the prisoners as to whether he would die before the morning or not and then suddenly the power of god comes on him and he preaches to them and the prisoners get saved muslims and so on and many people in the prison throughout are getting saved people are being healed and god supernaturally delivers them out of that prison where the doors open and he escapes in broad daylight walking right past guards that don't see him and has come to Europe and to the West and given his testimony. That is an example of those that have endured great hardness. You see, it's not within ourselves to overcome these things. It is because of who is living within us. It is through Christ that I can do all things. It is Christ that strengthens me. We could never do what that man did in our own strength, nor could he. Well, I want to read with you a little bit of time that's left here. (laughs) What I have to share with you today from the Word of God. And I also want to touch on what I received yesterday because I did not preach on what I received yesterday. But yesterday, by the casting of Lot, on Friday, I received Matthew 10 and 1 Samuel 21. Now, Matthew 10, Christ is talking about persecution extensively there and about how he he sends the disciples out and he gives them power and authority to heal and to cast out demons and so on and tells them not to take anything but just to trust God to provide their needs. But he says, if they reject you, you know, don't let your peace come upon the house and shake the dust off your shoes and warn them. But he goes on and he talks about how they would be brought before people and persecuted. And it says this, and when they deliver you up, that's his verse 19 of Matthew 10. Take no thought, how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. God calls us to endure, to break through, to endure to the end like Brother Yun did. He endured through all those trials and suffering to the point that God intervened supernaturally and brought him out of that prison. Totally impossible what happened to him. Total, 100% great miracle. Now the other chapter I received was 1 Samuel, chapter 21. And this is about Saul. And we read, beginning in verse 7, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Dog an Edomite, and the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Amalek, and is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, a Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and went to Achash, the king of Gath. Now, earlier in this passage, it does mention how Saul was rejected by the Lord because he refused to spare Agag and some of the flock. And he said he did it because he feared the people. He, he, he said, no, Samuel, I repent. Please, I repent. I, I'm sorry I did this. But Samuel said, no. The strength of Israel will not lie and will not repent over what you've done. There is consequences. You can no longer be king. And this is what he couldn't give up. But he feared the people. You see, instead of fearing God, he was more concerned of what people thought. And so he disobeyed the word of the Lord when God told him not to spare this king or any of the people. Why? Because they were idolatrous. They were sacrificing and burning their children to the fire, to demons, and so on. And they'd become so corrupt that they were like a cancer that needed to be wiped out before it corrupted other societies and nations around them. It is easy to spare the flesh in our own lives. But God is calling us to see things from his perspective with a love that always chooses the highest lasting good. (coughs) And King David experienced great persecution where he was forced to live with the Philistines the enemies of the Lord that were idolaters. And to pretend that he was a madman, the trials he went through to escape are amazing. And sometimes God can put us through trials like David that we don't understand, like God, how am I ending up with the enemy when I'm following you in righteousness? How am I ending up looking like I am the enemy in the eyes of God's people when I'm the one that's following you and the enemy can easily accuse you? (laughs) And your own heart can accuse you easily when you are in trials like this. But these are the trials that God wants to teach us to trust him in. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, the word of God says. Why did God emphasize his creativity to Job when he was in the trials? He wanted Job to recognize that he could trust him, that he had a creative purpose in allowing these things in his life. If you know that you are living in a loving, right relationship with God, (coughs) and you have all these things happening in your life that seem like God is against you, you can be assured that God is in control and he has your best interest in mind. He is a skillful artificer and he knows what he's doing with the pot, pottery, if there's a flaw in it to get that flaw out or whatever. He will bring you into a place where you will be far more in a closer union and relationship with him and a more fulfilling life than ever before. But will we endure through the trial when we don't sense his presence close to us, when it seems that God has forsaken us? Yeah, we may cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the question is, In our soul and spirit is our hand, an open hand of surrender or a fist of rebellion and bitterness that God would do these things in our lives. He wants us not to fall into the mindset of Cain that wrongly perceives God and his holiness and his severity that is allowed in our lives. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. And that if we are without chastisement, we are not his true children. (laughs) All of us are learning. Learning to come into a full conformity of a faith-love relationship with God. So as I continue on here, I want to touch on what I received today. Which was 1 John chapter 2 and Joshua 15. And what is the common theme between these two chapters? These two chapters are about overcoming. There is the overcomer in both of these chapters. In 1 John 2, 8 to 12, it says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Then he goes on to say that I'm writing unto you, young man, because you've overcome. In other words, he's saying, I'm writing unto you, young man, to make it clear to you that you can stand in the overcoming spirit of victory that you have over temptation and all the things of this world that you are living in right now. I'm writing unto you fathers because you've known the Father, that you would stand in that knowledge of God the Father. And I'm writing unto you children and so on. He is emphasizing the importance of standing in a close Identity with God and not allowing Satan to rob us of that identity in our loving relationship with God. And of course, this is the secret to overcoming it is that we are abiding in the love of God and not becoming anxious because anxiousness is because of a consciousness of the fear of loss that is the opposite of the fear of God. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is a choice that involves a deep turning of your soul, of your spirit, of your heart to God. In the recognition that God is ultimately trustworthy because his love has such integrity that it will not tolerate what is contrary to love. It is totally holy. It is totally pure. And is transcendent in mercy out of that purity. We can never know the mercy of God if we first do not recognize that the holiness of God, the integrity of his love is good and is the very source of beauty and of life and of creation without corruption that goes on forever. And so when we choose to reciprocate who God really is, that he's ultimately trustworthy because he has a love that will not tolerate corruption and that is transcended in mercy so great that he took judgment upon himself for you. How can we not do, not but deeply turn in our heart with thankfulness and praise and reciprocate in a love-faith relationship? We're perceiving the love of God and that's causing us to respond in faith to his love. And God is calling us as his people in this hour to be those that have an overcoming spirit because in Joshua 15, which is the other chapter I received, this is what I noticed that was in this. They were overcomers. And it says unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part of the children of Judah, gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron? And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shisha, Ahaman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. And he went up thence to the inhabitants of Deber, and the name of Deber before was Kurjath' Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjath Sefer and taketh it to him will I give Achsah my daughter, to wife. And Othianel, the son of Kinez, the brother of Caleb, took it. And he gave him Achsah, his daughter, to wife. Caleb was an overcomer. He was wholehearted. And he received the fullness of God's inheritance, even in the natural, with great blessings. He goes on to describe his beautiful daughter coming to him and asking for the nether springs as well as the southern lands. But there's a verse at the end in Joshua 15 that says this As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. Now the word Jebusite means he shall be trodden down. Jebusites were overcomers, they didn't accept anything but victory. They didn't accept anything, but totally treading down anything that would stand in their way. And because of that, and it's interesting that the Jebusites were also the ones that believed in honoring the lame and so on. There's a verse that says the lame shall take the prey. How do we tread down the enemy? What is the secret of treading down the enemy? It is not that our strength is in ourselves, but it is in God. That we bring our weaknesses as it were, as that we were lame to him and ask him to be our strength in that trial. It involves a turning of the heart and a trust, a learning to trust God and rest in God and rather rather than becoming anxious and thinking, oh, maybe God won't come through. You can rest in the fact that he will come through if you persevere. So God bless you and thank you for listening to this message. I want to remind you that I have recently published a book called Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable, which is a 367 page book in print, which you can get right now for free for five days. Well, it's not five days now, it's four because today is December the 3rd. It's going to be free until December the 6th in Kindle format. And I highly recommend that you spread the news about this book as it is a tremendous evangelistic tool and really exposes the subtlety of deception that even many Christians are falling into by all of these reports of people that have died and what they've experienced. This book is in-depth and gives proper understanding on that. And of course, the... um, Other book that I feel is so important and vital is the book called God, Headship, and Body Invasion, which I've written. That's also on Amazon, which shares everything that you can do in your local assembly so that you do not go back to being the church the way you were, but become a body of believers that does not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly, so that you conquer your city, your nation, with the love of God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all (coughs) that are blessable.